Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Banter Podcast, episode 36. This is your host, Ben Kern. I'm here with my co-host, Mike Luciano. Uh, Mike, my friend, how are you? I'm doing well, Ben. I'm enjoying the lame duck Trump presidency. Uh, but just before we get started today, you know, it occurs to me that uh, 36s are wild. Like you just said, this is the 36th episode of the podcast. And last week, just before we started recording, we got the push notification that Alex Trebek had died uh, after 36 years of hosting Jeopardy, basically my entire life. He's been he's been a ubiquitous part of my life. I used to watch Jeopardy as a kid with my parents. I watched it in college, and we would we would play Jeopardy and shout out the answers and count up our tallies. And and to this day, my wife and I still watch Jeopardy, and we're going to be watching the final 30 or so episodes that are going to air. Uh, with Alex Trebek uh, through through Christmas, so it was very sad news. You know, he he's he's had uh, he'd had pancreatic cancer for the last few years, and the prognosis for that long term is is almost never good. So, you know, we knew this day would come, but still, it doesn't soften the blow any. And in the final thirty six, uh, is that the electoral college, if it does not have any faithless electors, Joe Biden will win the electoral college by 36 votes more than he needed. He Joe Biden is on track to get 306 electoral votes above well above the 270 needed and uh, and that's really what we're here to talk about today. So uh no more downer stuff on to happier news. Uh, the last states have been called uh, since since our last podcast, Joe Biden has won Arizona. He has won Georgia. Like I said, that'll put him at 306 electoral votes. Biden's popular vote margin is more than 5 million and counting. It'll probably be closer to 7 million by the time all the votes are done being tallied. Donald Trump has been decisively defeated and utterly humiliated. And yet our big tough guy, tell it like it is president, just can't bring himself to face reality. What a shocker there. He can't bear it. Yeah, I said months ago Trump would never concede if he lost because for him such a rejection would be tantamount to just existential defeat. Not just to him politically, but his life and general well-being. Because Trump views everything through the lens of winning and losing. And for him to be rejected so so publicly and so decisively, it's got to be killing him. And and honestly, I have no idea if he actually believes the bullshit he's spouting about the non-existent voter fraud and this whole thing being rigged. On some level, he probably knows he's lying. On another, he may have been able to delude himself into thinking that he actually won. Because again, this is uh, this is a massive rejection he's facing, and Trump's narcissism and sociopathy may have laid the groundwork for uh, a situation where he simply cannot accept the reality of the election, uh, just sort of as a defense mechanism because his ego can't handle it. Yeah, that's what I think um, this is. I mean, I from reports that I've been reading, apparently he does. He is aware that he's lost and he has no path towards victory whatsoever. And he's sort of engaging in in kind of performance performance art, um, some theatre for hit for the MAGA morons to make sure that they they um, you know they feel satiated 
um, they get enough of of the show, you know, because that's what he is. Trump's a showman, right? Trump is a is a performer and a, a reality TV star, and the whole, you know, he's a and a con artist, right? He's a bullshitter and a con artist, and he needs to keep the con going in order to keep himself relevant. The whole thing is about Trump's relevance, right? He monetizes his own relevance in various different ways. And the presidency was just another sort of con. It was another con job that he was engaged in. Um, and the more relevant he became, um, you know, the more important he becomes, the more money he's able to, the more power and money he's able to accumulate. So I think he's just, he's doing this. He doesn't believe he, he won. He, he He's not, <clears throat> I mean, you know, he's not, dumb right he's not um he's not the most brilliant of thinkers but he's he understands that he lost i i think um but i think he understands that his power base you know like we discussed i think it was last last week that <clears throat> while he owns his cult his cult also owns him right so he has to now perform and and sort of claim that he won even though he knows he hasn't even though he knows he lost so He's in this predicament right now where he has to try to figure out an exit strategy here, right? He has to figure out a way to leave without conceding defeat, which is pretty tricky, you know? So, uh, again, Trump's boxed himself in uh, into a situation that he, you know, there is no graceful way out of this now. Um, I mean, we saw the press conference yesterday he did about the coronavirus uh, pandemic and to me, he looked like a beaten man. I mean, first of all, his hair's gone grey, which, he, I mean, it clearly always was grey, but maybe he forgot to dye it. I don't know, but he's got a new, his new look is, you know, greying, aged Trump, and he looked like shit, and he sounded f- sort of dejected and, and uh, flat and, you know, almost no fight left in him, um, that he knows he's been defeated. And he almost sort of admitted it. He almost said, you know, well, who knows who's going to be the next administration? He was talking about lockdowns and saying, like, well, we're not going to have a lockdown. Who knows what the next administration? And he, he had to sort of walk it back um, as he was speaking because it was almost like him conceding that he's that it's over, um, you know, which I thought was, was, was interesting, which kind of sh- is an insight into his thinking you know what's actually going on like trump is incapable of disguising any of his emotions or thought processes so he he'll he'll always tell you what he's thinking as he told everybody what he would do about the election about how he was going to going to try to cheat his way to winning the presidency um you know telling everybody that there was going to be fraud and telling everyone that there would be no way that that biden was going to win and that if biden won it would be fraudulent you know there would be voter fraud so he's, make- he's incapable. Yeah, he's just incapable of, of of disguising any of his intentions or feelings. You may well be right that he knows he's cooked, legitimately cooked. Trump is gonna he's gonna keep up with this voter fraud narrative till his last dying breath. And I keep hearing Republicans say things like, "Well, the president needs some time to emotionally process the loss." And I'm sorry, you've spent. Years and Trump has spent years calling liberals snowflakes and crybabies and saying they cry more lib. And now we're supposed to back off and let our wannabe strongman president have some time to grieve the loss of his power? No, I don't think so. Uh, absolutely not. Re- Republicans, they're going along with this. 
And only a handful of them have acknowledged reality and congratulated Joe Biden on winning the election. Mitt Romney, Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, I think, and a few others. But good luck finding anyone in the congressional leadership who's who's saying, yeah, this thing is over. Trump lost. And, you know, Mike Pompeo, our secretary of state, saying that there will be a smooth transition of power to a second Trump term. Yeah, the press secretary, Kayleigh McEnany, saying that Trump will attend the inauguration, his own inauguration. All right. So so this is look, we expect this from the Trump administration. Right. But Republicans in Congress and other prominent Republicans for them to be going along with this or, or either outright or not condemning this. This is very dangerous. I wrote a piece in the banter that was published on Friday about this. An, and it's, an excellent piece, an excellent piece. I, I urge everyone to read it. It's very, very important. Thank you. Thank you. Um, And, you know, last week I made the point that a lot of Trumpers, a lot of Trump supporters, they believe him when when he says that the election was rigged. But when we were doing that podcast, we have no idea just how many. Well, a poll came out shortly after we released that podcast showing that 86 percent of Trump voters think the election was illegitimate. Okay. That is like 60 or 70 million people. That's very dangerous because a lot of those people are armed. Okay. And most of them, they're not going to do anything about it. But all it takes is one nut job, you know, especially these QAnon people. Could, because if you if you believe that the the fate of of you know children is at stake, and that because of this quote unquote rigged election, children will continue to be abused sexually, almost anything you you do. It can be justified when when you're acting against those those people that you think are are responsible. So this is just incredibly dangerous to say nothing of the long term consequences of this in terms of how it undermines our democracy and our faith in the voting system. You know, you and I both retweeted. I just saw it before we got on here. Uh, you know, Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders, you, you know, he, he was making this point also that, that our democracy is being undermined. And it just goes to show the extent to which Republicans are leaning toward authoritarianism. It's a deeply cynical ploy by the Republicans. It is, it's nihilistic and it's incredibly dangerous. And the, the adverse consequences of this are incalculable and they are going to be with us for decades to come. Exactly. I mean, one of the issues, one of the, the, the biggest issue I think we're going to face going forward under a Biden administration is again, Republican obstructionism, right? Is the, is this um, alternate reality that these, that Republican leaders now have to pretend they believe in. Some of them do. Some of the crazy ones do actually believe in this sort of Trumpian world but a lot of them don't you know a lot of them just cynically go along with it because they know it's popular they know 60 70 million americans genuinely believe in this sort of alternate fat reality that's constantly fed to them via fox news so i mean it's 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 a very very big issue because you almost have like two you know you have two separate countries right and and they're breaking their rapidly diverging it's getting trump just basically you know he pulled gasoline all over it to ensure that this thing would go up in flames faster and faster and faster 
but they live under an alternative set of facts. Um, <clears throat> you know, up is down, up is down, left is right, black is, you know, black is white. And there is now no way of reaching any of these people. And the Republican leadership understands this well. And they, they are willing to basically give up on the democratic project that is America, right, to um, satiate these lunatics, right, to ensure that they are fed, um, you know, that they their cravings are fed, right? And these people are not interested in democracy. They don't give a shit. They probably don't even understand what a democracy is, right, or the history of democracy or the history of totalitarian regimes or how fascism can rapidly take over a country, you know, uh, and and destroy it and eat eat the democracy. So, you know, these 70 million people who voted for Trump have to be protected from themselves. You know, this is, I mean, it does sound like we're kind of the vanguard of, of democracy, the vanguard of the elites protecting democracy. But that's exactly, essentially what, you know, educated people now have to be. Educated, conscientious people now have to fight like animals, right? We have to fight like dogs just to get Joe Biden elected, right? I mean, think about the effort that went into to, to electing Joe Biden, who wasn't the most inspiring candidate. He's 78 years old. You know, he's clearly not um, a vigorous young man or a particularly inspiring politician. You know, I like Joe Biden. He's, 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 he's great. You know, I, li- I like the guy. I think he's a good man. Um, but we had to fight like, like dogs just to get this guy over the line. You know, this election was hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. Billy, I think it was over a billion dollars <clears throat> that each side spent on on electing their their guy. So, you know, this is now that that is our duty now is to try to save the the republic, right? Save the republic from this um, fascistic movement that so shows no sign of abating whatsoever um, and that the Republican Party shows absolutely no sign of trying to move away from, right? I mean, you hear about all these new Republican, you know, what is the next generation of Republican leaders going to be like? Who, you know, we've got QAnon people now in Congress, right? This is, we're, we're reaching a very, very dangerous point in American history. I think we've we've got a bit of a, thank God Joe Biden it's now got into power. Um, but I, you know, I, it, I dread to think of, of the challenges that he faces, that we all face going, going forward. How do we, you know, how do we try to calm this down um, and make some structural changes to the country that desperately needs to happen to bring it back to a place where we can at least agree on objective facts? We can't, there's no, there are no facts now that we can agree on, you know? It's like election fraud, all these people believe in there there being election fraud when there was no election fraud. You know, I saw my neighbor, I happened to see my neighbor in her driveway the day after the, the election was called for Biden and she absolutely despises Trump. And I said, are you happy with the result? And she said, I am, but 70 million people voted for this guy. And she said, we have a big problem in this country. And she's absolutely right. I mean, the fact that more than 70 million people saw this body of work that Trump has put in over the last four years and said, yes, more of this. 
That to me is highly disturbing. I could see his vote total being higher in 2016. A bunch of people saying, all right, he's not a, he's crude, but he's not a politician. He's not a traditional politician. Maybe shake things up. And I would, I hoped the last four years that he would get fewer votes, but he got more votes and they really turned out for him. And like you said, this, this is a problem that we now have like these two, two countries, basically, you know, there's, you know, our side, quote unquote, we're not perfect, but at least we adhere <laughs> to reality. At least we allow ourselves to be tethered to reality to a fair degree. The other side is just completely delusional. Like Trump world, I mean, you look on Fox News and and One America News Network and Breitbart, Breitbart they're on another planet. They're on, they're on another planet. You can't – there's no reasoning with these people. You know, I was actually talking with a, a Trump supporter who I've known for a long time. I talk to him on the phone probably once once a month on average, and he still supports Trump. And but he's not he's not totally sold on the voter fraud narrative. He he by and large thinks it's bullshit and thinks that Trump lost. But he did bring up like a couple of instances that where, you know, it was just like, oh, I'm just asking questions or they're saying this. I saw this and I'd say, well, wh- wh- where'd you where'd you see it? And he said, I heard it on right wing radio. And of course you did. But, you know, one of the things that he brought up was, you know, well, ballots were coming in to some of these vote counting centers at 3 a.m., and I was like, yeah. And I, was like, I said, do these, <laughs> do these ballots, do these ballots have a 11 PM curfew or something? <laughs> they need to be indoors. They need to be home. Like, so what the ballots came in at 3 AM and I pointed this out and he's like, he had nothing. He had nothing, but just like, Oh, ballots came in at 3 AM. Right. Sounds nefarious. But if you think about it for like two seconds, it's like, well, yeah, there's, there's millions of mail-in ballots that are coming into these where they're counting votes. They got to, you know, they're going to be coming in at all hours of the day. So, uh, I, I just, you know, some people like him, you can, you, you can get through a little bit, not to the point where they drop their support for Trump, but man, so many people in this country are just completely, they're either delusional and that they believe in all of this stuff or they're just they understand that it's wrong and like you said have no interest in democracy. There is a fair block of people within the conservative movement, Republican Party who are ready for an authoritarian leader. And they would be willing to throw all semblance of the democracy, the republic, free and fair elections, they, they would throw all of that away in a heartbeat for the right leader. And, you know, if Trump were a little more competent and a little less lazy, he probably could have dragged those people across that finish line up to and including internment camps. And I know that sounds really ridiculous, but when you just hear some of the rhetoric, I mean, Steve Bannon was banned from Twitter the other day for saying that Fauci, Dr. Fauci and FBI director Christopher Wray should be decapitated and have their heads put on pikes. Okay, that's Trump's campaign manager for 2016. And he is definitely not alone out there. Again, it's, it's you. There's this sort of cultural divide in, in America that's always existed. You know, it, it's not um, anything new, but it's becoming more deranged. You know, over time, it, the the sort of 
the departure from objective reality is becoming more and more pronounced. And I, this is, I think, the major problem. And I don't know exactly how one combats this when you have the GOP that essentially um, the GOP doesn't exist unless uh, it has the support of the crazy people, right? So the GOP only has power by basically ensuring that the 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 you know the right is is as deranged as humanly possible right um and and that's been happening for uh you know at least 40 years it's now at a point where you know the us is ripe for fascism i mean it, we we've escaped we've just escaped a very 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 close brush with authoritarian fascism we were lucky that trump was so incompetent you know i think that if had there not been a pandemic he he probably would have won and and that's 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 incredibly scary right it's taken 250,000 dead americans uh, to get this guy out of office right and and a billion you know 1.2 billion dollars or whatever it was that they had to spend on getting um you know getting biden uh, elected that that is absolutely frightening so i don't yeah for, for me i you know it it's i don't see where where would you even begin to combat this kind of stuff you don't have anyone to negotiate with in good faith in the gop i mean the senate you know mitch mcconnell the house majority speaker who's probably you know barring a, a miraculous turnaround in, in georgia which i'm you know i'm hopeful I, I, i'm not going to count the democrats out but i'm not i wouldn't put you know i wouldn't stake my life on on the on the democrats winning both races uh, in the runoff in, in in January, so who is that? Who now do we negotiate with? Who do we speak to? Who do we talk to about cooling the temperature? About trying to move? You know, because the GOP has to move in a more moderate direction um, if if we're to have a kind of a sane society, right? It's down to the GOP to uh, to moderate itself. And I don't think they are capable of doing that. And I don't know how they would do that, really. So, yeah, I think we've got some serious problems um, yes. coming up. And with no real kind of, there are no tangible ways in, in which to combat this other than, you know, gaining as much power for the Democrats as possible to make, to make you know, proper changes. But not going to control, they're most likely not going to control the Senate. So getting things done is going to be an absolute nightmare now. I mean, it's going to have to – Biden, I would think that what we're going to end up with is um, a situation where Biden has to pass a lot of legislation um, by executive order, right? He's going to have to do as much as he can with the executive order, which is what Obama had to do in his last term when they lost um, when they lost the Senate and the House. So Biden's going to, I think Biden will try to make nice with the Senate, but I don't think he's going to have much success. Again, because of Mitch McConnell and because of the attitude of the Republicans where they just, it's just all out war. Right. Well, like you said, McConnell's going to be the obstructor in chief. It's not likely the Democrats will take both Senate seats in the Georgia runoff in January. I I hope I'm wrong, but it's... It's just unlikely, I think. Just uh, uh, Democrats were just not. Democrats are not good 
often at turning out for pre- at for non presidential elections. Um, in 2018, yes, I yeah, think yeah, a lot of that had to do. Yeah. A lot of that had to do with Trump. You know, people recognize that you know a vote for a Democrat would be a, a, a thumb in the eye of Donald Trump, and I think a lot of voters availed themselves of that opportunity. Hopefully, it will continue in January uh, with these two runoffs. But uh, can I just point out how petty? Donald Trump is. Oh, please. <laughs> Another yes. way how petty he is. Team Trump, the General Services Administration, okay, within the executive branch, is refusing to give the Biden transition team access to things like documents and and you know access to the facilities so that the Biden team can go about the process of actually transitioning into the presidency. And and the White House personnel director, John McEntee, he sent out a memo. Basically, authorizing you know staffers to fire anyone they heard who are looking for an, another job, you know. So it's like it's it's not just it's not just Trump going out there and saying this was rigged, I won, and all that. It's it's just this is like important stuff that's happening. Like Trump has fired Mark Esper. He fired his defense secretary just days after the election was called for Biden. Now he's got an acting secretary. Instead of the deputy defense secretary taking that position, he's he's handpicked his own acting. Again, just kind of circumventing the 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 rules and norms surrounding succession in the in the cabinet. Uh, he's ousted some DHS officials. It's not clear why. The DHS recently said that this election was the most secure in history. So, you know, after that, some more heads might roll at Homeland Security uh, just for the offense of acknowledging reality. So just all of all of these these personnel moves and just these threats, it's just and refusing to cooperate with the Biden team. It's just all so petty. And again, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. You're you you are depriving the ability of the incoming administration to hit the ground running on very important issues. National security being at the top of that list. So it's just all so it's just also petulant and childish and juvenile and just so on brand. Right. It's on it, right. That's it. You know, it's the Trump brand, a petulant, petulant, childish tantrum basically that's that's trump's brand you know just be just be a, a even at the press conference that he had about the coronavirus pandemic was just him airing his grievances with various different you know uh apparently with pfizer pfizer didn't so there's a whole thing about operation warp speed right that that uh pfizer came out and said that uh, after they released their vaccine results and you know 90 percent efficacy they came out and said you know, we weren't. Trump tried to claim um, credit for it, and they said, "Well, we weren't part of Operation Warp Speed, so they didn't take any any funding." You know, the the truth was sort of somewhere in between. That basically, uh, the Trump administration, I think, pre- uh, what they'd done is they pre-ordered some of the vaccine. They they they'd uh, p- um, put put money in for an order, right? Should it be successful? Uh, but they didn't take money. Um, from the federal government to do their research, to do any of the production or any of the, or the experimentation. So Trump spent a lot of the press conference ranting and raving about Pfizer not properly giving the Trump administration credit, right, for their, you know, Trump came out and basically tried to take 
take um, the credit for producing this vaccine, whereas in fact he had absolutely nothing to do with it whatsoever. And um, they didn't pay for the R&D, which is what a lot of the other companies did. I think Moderna took money from the federal government, but Pfizer did not. Um, so it was just, he came out and and rather than talking about the then spent talking about the successes of 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 the vaccine and why this is a big moment in human history, uh, he spent most of the time talking about how they didn't give him credit for it, and then taking credit for it himself, which is again so on brand, right? I mean, of a childish, what a, a childish brat. Look, I can't wait to be rid of this guy, and I think most of the country can't wait to be rid of this guy either. But the effect that he's had on all of this stuff is just—it's so um, destructive to to the, to a kind of a, a what was once a stable democracy. Um, so, look, I, I had a question, Mike, for you, um, and this is a sort of a um, this is a, a both sides type question, right? So, look, in in two thousand and sixteen when Trump won the election against Hillary Clinton, right? I was of the view that the Electoral College had the right to deny Trump a victory, right? And that they absolutely should. They absolutely should say that they refuse to vote for this guy because he's not fit to be president. First of all, what was your, what was your view on that, number one? And then number two, would you, uh, at, at the time, and then um, do you think there is a, an equivalency there with what's with what the Trump people are saying now that that Trump is basically seeing whether they can overthrow the result by getting the electors the state electors to to vote for him instead so do you see there being an equivalent there so in 2016 a part of me wanted those slates of electors from the states to not vote for Donald Trump but most of me thought that that would set an absolutely horrendous precedent. First of all, I think the Electoral College, this system that we have for picking the president, is one of the dumbest ways of choosing the leader of our government. It has never worked as it was intended. They they drew this up in the Constitution. They had to ratify the 12th Amendment to fix it after the debacle of the 1800 presidential election. And it's still it still didn't do the job you know it still didn't do the job we like these these electors that we send they can do whatever they want so when we vote for president right if you vote for joe biden or donald trump you're not voting for joe biden or donald trump you're voting for the slate of electors that has been selected for that candidate in your state and you are basically saying this is the slate of electors that i want voting for president in the electoral college now Donald Trump, for example, he should have gotten 306 electoral votes in 2016. He ended up only getting 304 because there were two what are called faithless electors who couldn't bring themselves to vote for Donald Trump. And so he got two fewer electoral votes than he should have gotten. I believe the same thing happened with Hillary Clinton. I believe one or two there were one or two faithless electors on her side. So no, I I don't think I don't think the electoral college should be in the business of of being faithless electors. I, I, I think those people, you know, they pledged that they would vote for that candidate if if their candidate got, you know, were won the state. I think that's how it should happen. As for state legislatures getting involved in overturning the elections, like, you know, Pennsylvania, for example, has a an all-Republican state legislature that could maybe, in theory, vote to send the 
Trump slate of electors, and maybe Arizona could do the same thing, and Georgia could do the same thing. Uh, but there seems to be no appetite for that, and nor should there be. States should not get in the business of saying, okay, yeah, we had a presidential election, and uh, you know this candidate won, but we're going to overturn the will of millions of people in our state and and send this slate of electors and, and recognize, you know, the, the other candidates slate of electors as being valid. Again, I think this is a completely ridiculous way of, of choosing the president. But I, I think you know, once we get into the business of saying, yeah, OK, Biden won Pennsylvania, but we need to send uh, we need to certify the results for Trump by sending his. Uh, now, that's I think that's a horrible precedent. Did I answer your question? It's a tough one because, I mean, I struggled with this a lot back when in 2016. Um, but ultimately, I thought that um, the Electoral College uh, should refuse to vote for Trump on the basis that, first of all, the Electoral College is ridiculous anyway, right? So that the, you know, whoever wins the popular vote should be president. You know, it's crazy that you can get less votes and become president. Then you can lose a, you can lose the popular vote by millions, um, and 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 still become you know a, any system that where that happens is 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 you know there's something wrong with the system. But I also I also thought that that Trump presented such a unique threat to democracy that on occasion sometimes you have to um, save democracy from itself. That democracy is you know the very nature of democracy means that it can be it's like capitalism right that capitalism in theory is fantastic but capitalism has to be saved from itself right through intervention. Would you be concerned at all about Republican backlash? I mean, because Republicans, they do control most of the state legislatures. And so, you know, if if you had a scenario in 2016 where Trump was denied the presidency, would you be at all concerned by, you know, the implementation of some sort of scorched earth policy by Republicans uh, in Congress and in the state legislatures? Yes, 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 absolutely. But I I thought it was worth it because because of the, the threat that Trump posed. This is, I think, um, anybody who's studied history knows what a man like Trump is capable of, and what this his, you know, he's the archetypical dictator. Mussolini, um, Hitler, you name you name the fascist dictator, and Trump ticks most of the boxes. Right? He just, I think, he happened to be less competent than a lot of them, um, at least. In 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 a, in some regards, right? I thought he was very competent in some ways and and completely insane in other ways. Um, but we didn't know really how competent he or, or how incompetent he would be. But what he was saying back in 2015, 2016, and the 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 campaign that he ran on made me think that you know this was gonna this could get very 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 nasty. And I, I think I was proven right i believe that that the last four years have been a nightmare have been a you know he survived more scandals than any other president in history basically obstruction of justice uh, potential treason i mean bribing bribing a foreign government um uh, for political gain um blackmail you know this is the number of crimes that this guy committed in office there are so many that it would be impossible to know even where to begin uh, if you came to a court case or to prosecuting the guy. There's just too many of them. Um, but he was protected by the Republican establishment that showed no ability or willingness whatsoever to stand up to him. And I think that we very nearly lost democracy in America. 
it was it was it was purely due to the pandemic, right? The pandemic has p- paved the way for a Biden victory, and without the coronavirus, I don't think I think we we that would be it. There'd be another four years of Trump, and then there'd be another four years of Trump after that. So I, I I think that it would be it was worth using in 2016. It wouldn't have been illegal for the electors to um, to elect Hillary Clinton. I think it would have been per- they would have been perfectly within their rights to do that. That's the way the system was set up, and that's the way the founding fathers had sort of intended it as well. Would be to have you know for for the electorates. Um, uh, to to make the final decision whether you believe in that system I think the system itself is 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 wrong but given your we were operating it within that system I felt that okay you know you have to exhaust every single avenue legal avenue possible to stop this so I you know I do I say thank god for the coronavirus I mean no you know, quarter of a million people dead. I don't wish that, that's that's an incredibly heavy price to pay um, to to preserve democracy. But I, ultimately, I think that's what did it. Ultimately, I think that Trump's total inability to handle this pandemic led to the end of his presidency. Not uh, just total inability, total unwillingness. Yeah, he, yeah, total unwillingness, and and he actually made it. You know, he actively made it worse. I mean, he didn't just do nothing. He he made it worse. He made it harder uh, for um, hospitals to do their job, for governors to do their jobs. Um, you know, he encouraged people not to wear masks. He held rallies. I mean, he the guy is responsible for a lot of death. Um, you know, uh, and and but ultimately that was what I think led to his demise. So you know. Yeah, I think we should have stopped him in 2016 personally and dealt with the with the. Um, it could have, you know, it could there could have been unforeseen consequences. It could have got really really bad. But I think at that time, had Trump not been given power, um, there would have been a chance to keep him out of the political kind of establishment and keep him out of Washington D.C. Um, you know, uh, but ultimately, obviously, we are where we are now, and and it's it's we're we're, we're in. You know, it's better right now, and that he's going. You know, I, I don't think there were any good options, and I think denying Trump victory in 2016 would have had a, would have had very very grave political consequences as well. But I think they would have been probably less grave than than um, you know than what we've been through for the last four years. In that scenario you're talking about, I'm pretty sure we would not have had the 180,000 new COVID cases that we had on Friday. Right. I, I think we could have chosen a president at random from the phone book four years ago, and we would not be where we are today in terms of the number of COVID cases and COVID deaths. It, like you said, this guy, he's Actively, he has actively made it worse through steps that he has taken. And you would think that if you had chosen a random citizen and presented them with this conundrum or presented them with this pandemic, they would be so awestruck by the gravity of the situation that they would actually defer to people like Anthony Fauci and Burks other leading epidemiologists you know you just think the weight of the situation would would weigh heavily upon random citizen that they would actually listen to the experts as opposed to trump who you know this delusional power of positive thinking we have 15 cases soon it will be down to zero right yeah 180,000 cases on friday going up 
deaths, you know, we're losing over a thousand a day. Deaths are a lagging indicator. The cases are going up. The deaths are going to go up. We're going back into lockdown in a lot of states. And it didn't have to be this way. It did not have to be this way. We could do this. We could, if just as a nation, we say we are going to shut down for six to eight weeks. Totally. No half measures. We're going all the way. That would do a lot of the work to get the number of cases down. But there's just not too much of the country just has no interest, has absolutely no interest in short-term sacrifice for long-term gain because they confuse selfishness with freedom. And it's infuriating. Yeah, no, right. I mean, and also when you've got a president who is basically a, a, a rampaging narcissist you know his his narcissism and, and ego are just completely out of control so this is exactly this is like the the last person you want in control of anything during a pandemic you, you and, and that's why trump was so uniquely ill-equipped for this for this job because you sort of knew if there was going to be a disaster like a genuine crisis the guy was you know as i think as obama said it's not that he he's he wants to be a better leader or anything like that uh, or, or he's capable of it. He he can't lead because he's not capable of it. Right? He's not capable of being president. He literally doesn't have the psychological makeup to be a, a good leader. You know, it's not in his DNA. So it doesn't matter what the situation is or the gravity of the of the of the crisis. Right? Trump cannot respond. He cannot rise to the occasion. It's impossible for him to rise to the occasion because he's he is genetically physiologically emotionally psychologically incapable of it the guy he's a deeply damaged deeply flawed narcissist and egomaniac you know and and the fact is, is 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 he then encourages that kind of behavior in the population as well so his you know it, it kind of shows you how damaged a lot of people are in america right the sort of the fact that this guy can win right kind of shows you how screwed up a lot of people are in America, right? And it shows you how, you know, what Fox News and right-wing hate radio and, you know, shitty education and low-wage economy and it shows you all the things that this, that, uh, you know, structural inequality, it just shows you how damaged and fractured society is that this guy can become elected. It's the sign of a dysfunctional society. Trump is the Trump is the product of a dysfunctional society. You know, yeah, he didn't absolutely. create the yeah he didn't create the dysfunctional society. He's 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 the end product of it. Speaking of screw ups, and Ben, I want to get your opinion on on something in a second, but I, I just have to mention this. I, I just I just this is funny. In case you're wondering how the Trump legal challenges are going, because. The Trump campaign is suing all over the place in uh, swing states that he lost, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Georgia, and Michigan. So this was flagged by a University of Texas law professor, Steve Vladek. He tweeted this out. The Trump campaign has filed a wide-ranging lawsuit challenging the county of votes in Wayne County. That's where Detroit is. Not just in a federal district court in Michigan— but in the U.S. Court of Federal Claims in D.C., which has no jurisdiction in such cases. Here's the complaint. I'm not kidding. They literally filed the Western District of Michigan complaint in a different court that only hears monetary claims against the federal government. <laughs> so that's that's okay. that's what uh, you know, that's how how competent the Trump campaign has been in challenging. They can't even they're filing lawsuits in the wrong courts. 
which in the Trump campaign is something like one for 19 in their challenges. You know, they're in some places they're alleging fraud and the, the courts ask, OK, where's the fraud? And they're like, well, we actually don't have evidence of any. And the court's like, all right, we'll stop wasting our time and get the hell out of here. And they're just they're just throwing everything at the wall. All of this is just one very expensive, time consuming exercise to appease Trump. And it's really, it's, it's just, it's, it's hilarious. And last week I said, I I, I said, I hope they keep doing it because each, each ruling brings a, a new and completely unnecessary humiliation on Trump because we knew how these would play out because just the, just the, the, the meritlessness of these lawsuits is just glaring. And so the, you know, the rulings against them are, are hardly uh, surprising, but I want to turn to, uh, and this is scary thought. I want to turn to 2024 for a second, and I want to get your opinion on something. So, Ben, it's being reported that Trump has been floating the idea to staff of his. He's been floating the idea of running again in 2024. And obviously, that's something he's going to milk for all it's worth. You know, he's not going to tell us one way or another for a while, probably 2023. So for the next several years, it will be, will he run or won't he? It'll just be an extension of this horrible reality TV show we're in. But that puts uh, whoever's going to you know, populate the Republican presidential field in 2024 in a pickle. So you'll have guys like Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio who will ru- want to run again, probably. And Tom Cotton will probably want to run. And who knows, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, he might want to run. But you've got Trump out there, and you don't know what his intentions are. And he's basically freezing. I think, I think he could be freezing the Republican field because I think a lot of these, these potential candidates in 2024, and I'll add Nikki Haley because she definitely wants to run, a lot of these people, they're, they're kind of going to live in fear of possibly having to go against Trump in 2024. And it makes you wonder, are they going to, like, what do you think? Uh, do you think they're just going to, regardless of the Trump factor, they're going to declare their candidacy when they want to? Or do you think they're going to try to, like, keep an eye on Trump and see what his intentions are? And then, of course, if he does run, you got this whole weird dynamic where, you know, you could have the 2016 campaign all over again. You know, you had Ted Cruz that was just absolutely calling Trump a a pathological liar and just every bad name in the book. Then he came around and got religion on Trump after he wins. In 2024, is it possible that, like, he could – we could have a – like, it could flip back to the 2016 GOP primary? Like, I don't know. Like, I, this this whole question has broken my brain the last several days. And I just, like, what is, what's your sense of it? I think that um, Trump is going to keep hinting that he's going to run in 2024 for precisely this reason, right? I think that he's such a vengeful person that he's going to um, make life miserable for the Republican Party, right? Because he... He doesn't necessarily have a career after this, right? And they do. So whatever Trump touches, Trump destroys, right? It comes to his presidency, it comes to his familial relationships, marriages, you name it, businesses, uh, pandemics, you know, anything that Trump gets involved with, he, he kills, he wrecks it. He's going to want to, just because he wants to see it burn, just because he wants to destroy it, 
I think he's going to hold this over other Republicans' heads for as long as humanly possible, right? And he's going to... Um, I think the only people who are going to make, you know, say they're going to run are going to be people like Larry Hogan, right? Um, who who doesn't like Trump, right? Are going to be kind of um, anti-Trump Republicans who are going to put, who who probably don't have a chance of winning anyway. And I think the rest of them are going to be scared shitless. I think they're not going to do anything until Trump uh, finally says he's not in the race, right? And then they're going to, when Trump says he's not in the race, then you're going to see all the the little creep, the creepy Republicans come out and try to try to um, uh, woo his his supporters. So I think, I mean, this is the one problem that the Republican Party has now, is the Trump effect. Trump Trump, Trump hasn't just hurt uh, democracy and, and society. He, I mean, he has ultimately destroyed the Republican Party as well, uh, which I think is obviously a good thing, which I think is, you know, uh, well, at least there are some advantages to it. There are some advantages to his grip on the Republican Party. Um, do I think he's going to run in 2024? I I don't think so. I I I, I can't I can't see it. You know, he's going to be 78. Uh, I think he's going to have legal challenges for years. I think there is a chance that he may even go to jail. So I I don't see him running again in 2024. Uh, but I think he'll use it. I I think he probably would have lost interest by then. That's my that's my general feeling on the, on the situation, um, but it's going to be interesting to monitor because he want to keep himself in the limelight. You know, a lot of this is going to be about Trump getting generating publicity for himself, and he can be able to generate more publicity by attacking the Republican, uh, the the GOP. You know, he's going to be making noises and throwing bombs at them for the foreseeable future. That's what I think. You know, I think the best thing that could happen to the Republican Party is if. The day after Joe Biden is inaugurated, Trump has a massive heart attack and goes in the ground. This they guy- would all love it. They would. They would absolutely. I, I mean, I think most of these Republicans were glad that he he lost. You know, they can't. They, this guy's a nightmare. Yes, they're probably glad he's lost. However, again, it gets back to what are his intentions for twenty twenty four. So they they and look, Trump. He's going to pull in over seventy two million votes. Trump has shown not only is being a just mean-spirited, incompetent asshole, no obstacle to becoming president, it may even help one become president. It may help the next Republican nominee get to the White House. So, and this, this concerns me a lot. I can't just look at Trump as an aberration, because clearly he has tapped into something on the right. And other Republicans are seeing that. And and even even if Trump croaks on January 21st, which again, I think would be beneficial to the Republican Party as a whole, you still have Republican candidates out there. You still have Republican lawmakers who who have seen what we've seen. Like, oh, wow. I can just, you know, I can just say that the craziest, most deranged, most untrue, most mean-spirited, most malignant things, most racist things and bigoted things, and that might even help me win re-election or help me win election in the first place. I, I think that the Trump phenomenon has done just immeasurable damage, and I think the Republican Party has, I think they're learning all of the wrong lessons. And I, when I say wrong, I mean moral 
morally wrong. I, I don't mean electorally. You know, who knows? For for a strategy in a lot of places, the Trump model is it's it's going to be a winning strategy in in some states and some congressional districts, and who knows? Maybe even the next presidential election. So I think if we do have a Republican president again, if we do have a Republican-controlled Congress, I think we're going to be in a very, very dangerous situation. Their march toward authoritarianism, just backed by this, you know, just powered by this just absurd untethering from reality. I think this is this is like national security threat number one going forward. But I got to bring up Tommy Tuberville before we go here. Tommy Tuberville was the only Republican Senate candidate to unseat a Democratic incumbent. He defeated Doug Jones in Alabama, which was really, I mean, almost destined to be a lost cause from the beginning because Doug Jones, very capable senator, former U.S. attorney, was only able to win that seat because he was going up against an accused pedophile. Well, Tommy Tuberville is not an accused pedophile. Uh, he is a, a former college football coach. And again, I said a couple of months ago that if this guy gets to the Senate, Tommy Tuberville is going to prove himself to be the dumbest son of a bitch in the Senate by a light year. And he's not even in the Senate yet. And he's already working. He's he's well ahead of schedule. This is the guy who he would not debate Doug Jones. He he agreed to no debates because he is an idiot. He is an ignoramus par excellence. We pointed out several podcasts ago. He was asked about the Voting Rights Act. He had no idea what the Voting Rights Act is, even though it 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 has affected his state, Alabama. Uh, you know, as much as any other state, you know, especially the best and the brightest, eh? the best and the brightest. I, he gave an interview recently and I got a, I got a, there are just three nuggets here that are just breathtakingly stupid and feel free to react to any of these Ben, because these are, oh my goodness. So at one point in this interview, he says, our government wasn't set up for one group to have all three branches of government. Wasn't set up that way. You know, the House, the uh-huh. Senate, and the executive. <laughs> you know, those three branches of government right there, the House, the Senate, and the executive, that aren't the three branches of government at all. Awesome. Uh, next. He was asked to asked to opine on the key takeaways from the election. Mr. Tuberville said he was concerned that Mr. Biden, a mainstream centrist Democrat, had promoted a vision he claimed, quote, leads more to a socialist type of government. That's concerning to me that we're to the point now where we've got almost half the country voting for something that this country wasn't built on. I tell people my dad fought 76 years ago in Europe to free Europe of socialism. Right. That's why the United States allied with the Soviet Union in fighting the war in Europe to free Europe of socialism. God damn it. These people, they're so stupid. And lastly, in another exchange, he erroneously, he erroneously said that Mr. Gore, the Democratic presidential nominee in 2000, was president-elect for 30 days during an intense protracted recount and legal battle. Neither Mr. Gore nor George W. Bush were considered the president elect during that process. So not only he's getting not only is he getting, uh, you know, 1940s history wrong, he's getting 2000s history wrong. And this guy 
He knows absolutely nothing, and and his his problem is he doesn't know he knows absolutely nothing. So he that doesn't care. Up. No, and he'll probably win re-election in six years. Right, but this is now a this is now a virtue in 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 U.S. politics, right? It's like if you want to get elected as a Republican, you've got to be ignorant as fuck. Basically, you've got to be really dumb, right? Just to get just to get just to get popularity, right? You have to you have to basically display your ignorance and stupidity confidently right uh in order to get uh, to get elected i mean th- this is the palin effect really this is the um the what happened in 2008 and why 2008 was such a pivotal election i think was the was the introduction um um of of sarah palin, uh, of uh, sarah palin um to the masses and this notion that you could be uh, 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 an ignorant basically redneck and get elected right if sarah palin can get elected uh, to to the vice presidency then then anyone can and i think that trump took it basically there would be if there was no sarah palin there would be no donald trump right um and and now we've had donald trump that's how low the bar is now you know so you know anybody can do it you know QAnon, conspiracy theory believers uh i mean I, god knows what's next you know what's happening in what's going to happen in 10 years time if we had donald trump today what happens in 10 years time which way does it go? You know, I don't think it's going to get better. It's crazy to think about. I mean, you think about the Republican tickets this century. George W. Bush didn't know a whole lot. Sarah Palin knew even less. Donald Trump, I don't know how much he knows compared to Sarah Palin, but it's close and not in a good way. I mean, at this rate, the Republican Party is not that far off from nominating a cinder block to be president of the United States. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I mean, Christ, that would be probably an improvement. <laughs> Absolutely, shit. Yeah. Okay. So we're back to feeling depressed about everything. No, look, let's not get depressed. Joe Biden is going to be the president of the United States. This is a good thing. The Democrats have won. Uh, the Senate race isn't. You know, the control battle for the control of the Senate isn't over yet. We're still in with a fighting chance. You know, uh, it could have been four more years of Donald Trump, or you know, ten more years of Donald Trump. So we've got to feel happy about that. Um, so I think, you know, we've got to put this in perspective, right? Yes, we've got a lot of problems happening, but there, there is a war, you know, it's, I would say that decent, civilized, educated, compassionate people are fighting for the soul of the nation. And we are, we are at least, we're not losing. We're not losing. I would say winning is not necessarily, I think maybe winning is, is, is a too strong a term, but we are not losing. That's the perfect tagline for Democrats. We're not losing. It's We're just so losing. on brand, Ben. <laughs> We're not losing. Right? We need to become winners, but we're not losing. So, anyway, but look, uh, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, please read uh, Mike's piece on the banter. Um, you go to the banter uh, website, thebanter.substack.com. You can see uh, Mike's latest article, which is fantastic. And then, uh, yep, yeah, please become a member if you're not. Uh, you can get 50% off at the moment. So, click on the uh, red button on the article you can get 50% off a banter membership we rely on your support to keep the lights on so we'd be internally grateful for that wear a mask please wear a mask we're entering very dangerous territory now um, it, it, with the, the coronavirus pandemic so I'm hoping that everyone is being sensible wearing a mask uh, thank you for listening Mike anything else before we head out for the week if you are a registered voter in Georgia I'll oh, vote God. for John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock. 
And if you know a registered voter in Georgia, plead with them, beg yeah. them to Hide vote them. for John Hide Ossoff money. and Raphael Warnock. We need this. We do. We need it badly. Badly. Yep. Agreed. Okay, everyone. We'll see you next week.